And okay, so uh, tonight's topic, uh, the um, uh, sources appear on the screen there, on your screen? Yeah. Okay, great. Okay, so this was a, a, a Shiloh that uh, got uh, last, a week and a half ago or so. Um, I don't know whether the person who called up was asking the Shiloh Lemaisa, uh, meant it for themselves, or they were just asking because they figured that it sounded like an interesting topic uh, that, they were, that they were thinking about. But uh, Lemaisa, it is a very good, uh, it's a very good and a very important Shiloh. And it gives us an opportunity to go ahead and explore some stuff which, uh, which, is, uh, which pretty, is pretty interesting. Uh, and as we will discuss over the course of this year, uh, is something which is actually quite, uh, quite Lemaisa for, for many people, depending on what business you're in. But for a number of people, this is something which is, uh, which is a very serious issue. Uh, 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 issue. And we're just going to frame it like this, that uh, let's say you have somebody who's looking to make some extra money uh, on the side. So they figured that an easy job, sorry, I got to mute everything. Uh, an, an, e- an easy job would be to go ahead and to drive for Grubhub or Uber Eats. So I don't know exactly how it works, but the basic idea is, is that somebody orders food from, uh, from a restaurant and uh, they have it delivered. So rather than the restaurant hiring their own drivers, so you have these platforms such as Grubhub or Uber Eats, where a driver will come, will pick up the food for the restaurant, drop it off at your house. And uh, apparently for the drivers, they make uh, enough money that it's, uh, that it's worthwhile. I guess it at least covers their insurance, their gas, and whatever tickets they get for speeding, uh, running red lights, and then uh, some spare change on the, uh, on the side. So is this something which is allowed? Is this something which is not allowed? So before we could get to the answer to the question, we have to go ahead and we have to figure out what exactly is the question. Why is this a question? Uh, nobody, we're not talking about eating any of this non-kosher food which you're going to be delivering. So that's not the, that, that's not the Shiloh over here. So what to, could possibly be the Shiloh if, uh, you're not to eat, if you're not going to be eating any of this non-kosher food? So to begin with, so we start with a Mishnah in Shvius, which I guess is a good thing. It's a good opportunity this year to do this uh, topic because it is a Shemitah year. So these are the Mishnahs which relate to Shemitah. Not that what we're going to see has anything at all to do with, with Shemitah, but okay, we could say we did some Mishnah Shvius during the year of Shemitah. So we're Yotza. Okay, so the Mishnah says as follows. We say, in the middle of the Mishnah it says, Shein osim So one of the restrictions during the Shemitah year so all of your fields and all of your orchards, so they are supposed to, they, they are essentially hefker, they're ownerless. So that means not only are you not allowed to work those fields, but one of the restrictions is the Torah says that the only thing you're allowed to do with produce that grows during the Shemitah year is l'achla, it's, it's for eating purposes. And one of the restrictions, one of the inferences that Chazal make from that is you're allowed to eat it and you're not allowed to do business with it. In other words, that during Shemitah year, you can't travel up to the apple holler, apple orchard, and pick for yourself, because it's hefker, so pick for yourself 100 bushels of apples, and then go to the Skokie Farmer's Market and go ahead and sell those apples to make money. So that's considered to be schora, that's doing business with Shemitah produce that you're not allowed to do. Then the Mishnah says, and you're also not allowed to do business with a bechor, firstborn animals, 
Betrumas, in the event that you have truma and you decide you go up to some coin on a corner and say, Psst, want to buy some truma? So that also you as the Israel, you're not allowed to sell your truma to the coin. Now here comes the part which is going to be the topic of our discussion tonight. You're not allowed to go ahead and do business with a nevela. So nevela, as we know, in, in technical terms, you can ask Avigar, technical terms is an animal, it's a kosher animal, which died by some means other than shechita. So whatever that's going to be, however they kill in non-kosher slaughterhouses. Velobitrefus is an animal which has some sort of mortal wound, which meant that it was not going to be able to survive the year anyways. And even if you were to shecht it, you're not allowed to eat it. Shkatsim ramasim are various creepy crawlers and bugs and what, whatever they're going to be. But the main thing is that for our purpose is what's highlighted right now is the Mishnah says you're not allowed to do business with non-kosher food. That's the way we're going to frame it. Doing business with non-kosher food is not allowed. And now says the Bartanur, the Bartanur is, is the primary commentator on Mishnayis. So he says, we're just taking the Bartanur's comment just because it's right there on the page and it's simple and straightforward. So he says, source two, So the only thing which you're not allowed to do is to sell non-kosher, which is intended for eating purposes. In other words, if I want to go ahead and sell horses, I could sell horses, right? Somebody's lo- or somebody's looking to buy a, a mule to go ahead and to pull a plow. So even though a mule is a non-kosher animal, since the transaction is not being done to make mule food, or react mule into food, but it's being done to use mule as a, uh, as a plowing mule, so that's not going to be us at all. But in the event that it is intended for eating, so then that's where you run into this issue that you're not allowed to do business with something which is prohibited for, for consumption. So there's an interesting uh, uh, discussion about, let's say, dog food. So are you allowed to sell non-kosher dog food? We're not talking about Basar B'chalav. Basar B'chalav is a totally different discussion. Just simple, straight-up non-kosher dog food. So are you allowed to do business? So most can say that that's fine because most people aren't eating dog food. They buy dog food for their dog. And therefore, that's not considered to be la'achila. That's not considered to be for human consumption. And therefore, if you want to buy and sell, if you own a grocery store and you want to sell non, you want to sell non-kosher dog food or non-kosher cat food, so that doesn't violate this uh, this issue because that's not really la'achila. Then qualification number two is this. Prohibition against doing business, against doing commerce with non-kosher food is limited to those foods which are asr midaraisa. Aval, but, but if you have something which is rabbinically prohibited for consumption, so then that is going to be acceptable to go ahead and do business with. So if you have, for example, kosher chicken and kosher cheese, now, certainly none of us are going to go ahead and eat that because we consider that to be a mixture of meat and milk. But on a technical level, chicken and cheese is also only midrabanan. So if you want to go ahead and sell a chicken and cheese sandwich, that would not violate, violate this Easter. My double bacon cheeseburger, that contains many Easter deraisa, so that you certainly would not be allowed to do. But chicken and cheese, since it's only rabbinically prohibited, so that would technically be okay. Okay, so this is the Yisr that we're dealing with. So now we understand what we are dealing with in terms of the Yisr. 
uh, that doing business with non-kosher food is something which is prohibited. The post can disagree. It's Darais, it's Darabana, and we don't need to get into that now. Either way, it's something which is going to be Aser. So you'll say to me, okay, Shkayach Rabbi, there's such a thing as doing business with non-kosher food. What does that at all have to do with driving for Grubhub? Driving for Grubhub, you as the driver, you don't own any of the food. You are simply a delivery guy. You pick it up for the restaurant. You drop it off by the customer. That's all you do. You don't own it at all. And you get paid probably some very weak-based salary. And you hope you make a lot on tips. So what does this have to do with uh, with our discussion? Okay, so in source, thank you for asking. So, so in source three, we go ahead and we expand the isser of what exactly is involved in business. Question. And here you have a fascinating idea. So here is th- these halachas are contained in Yoridea, Simon Kuf Yud Zion. So it says over here, Yoridea, Simon Kuf Yud Zion. So we hear in the, in the Beis Yosef, in his commentary to the tour, where he's elaborating on the prohibition. So he quotes this fascinating uh, uh, concept. And he says, Okay, whatever the source is. So he writes, He says, anytime you have a food which is biblically prohibited, so this is the type of food that we are discussing, which is subject to this Isser. So, just like you're not allowed to buy and sell a double bacon cheeseburger. Let's, let's not even do that because it's Isser or not. Just like you're not allowed to buy and sell bacon. Bacon is certainly for eating. So just like you're not allowed to buy and sell bacon. It's also also to go ahead and buy it. Now we're in the holiday season where everybody's uh, very busy trying to figure out what they're going to give their non-Jewish employees or their non-Jewish mailman or their non-Jewish Amazon driver or their non-Jewish UPS driver. What gifts are you going to be able to give them for the holidays to make sure that they continue to faithfully uh, deliver their stuff? So to go ahead and buy bacon to give to a non-Jew, that's also Asr. So now the question is, why is it Asr? If I'm not doing business, if you tell me that it's business, so business, I understand. I buy cheap, I buy low, I sell high. So that's business. I'm making a profit off of this. If here I'm buying bacon and I'm gifting it to somebody, so why is there going to be a problem to buy non-kosher food and gift it to somebody else, gift it to a non-Jew? So explains the Beis Yosef. He says, he says, the reason is because a gift is conceptually the same as a sale. And he quotes the Gemara in Baba Metziah, where the Gemara says, and it sounds like a somewhat cynical perspective on the world and people, but I think everybody here will uh, agree with the, the, the principle, and that is the lokibel hanamine. Why do you ever give a gift to somebody? There's two reasons, primarily, why you would give somebody a gift. Number one is, they bought you a birthday gift. So since they bought you a birthday gift, so you have to reciprocate and you have to buy them a birthday gift. Or you want them to give you a birthday gift. So to be proactive, you give them a birthday gift so that they will go ahead and they will feel the need to reciprocate and give you a, a, a birthday gift back. One second, Tzachi. So this perspective that the, that the Gemara says is that anytime you're gift giving, the reason you're doing so is either because you want to get something from them or you want to show appreciation for something which they gave to you. But either way, it's a give and take. It's a give and take type of exchange. So the Beis Yosef is telling us that this idea of this prohibition of doing business with non-kosher food 
is it limited very narrowly to buying and selling for profit? Even if you're not buying and selling for profit, but you buy it and you give it away as a gift because you hope to get something out of that gift or you've already received something of that gift, that's also considered to be schora. And what this means is, what this translates into is that to buy non-kosher, to give to your employees during the holiday season because you want them to be loyal, productive employees, that's also a form of schora. That's also a form of business. And that, would, even though you're not making a profit off of it per se, since you hope to gain from that gift, that violates this iser of schora as well. Yes, sir. Sorry. You're not, this does not include something like a tzedakah situation, right? I mean, like if I was, right, right. I just give to my local food bank the, the trafe that I was given from my office or something. Uh, well, I mean, that's, I'm not actually acquiring it myself. Right, right. If I went out and bought, bought, I don't know, like a, a pallet of food to donate at, at a local food bank. I'm, I'm just thinking off the top of my head or. Right, right. A, a, a donation free, the type the free of thing. turkey I, I, from I, I, the local I, I, supermarket. I think here would, would be an exception to the rule. Right. Correct. Okay. okay, so now we find that there's a, a broader definition of what exactly is going to be included in Schorah. So now we're still not up to the point of the driver yet. We're still working towards that. But we know that there is such a concept. Now, source number four, five, and six. So here we're going to see also uh, a, a related a related idea, which is going to be uh, which is going to play a very strong factor not only in the holiday season, the holiday gift giving, but in general with regards to this iser. So one of the things, as all, all, all of you know, uh, one of the things which is fascinating about halacha is the way that halacha is 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 incredibly conceptual, and when you, even if you're discussing one particular idea, one particular halacha that halacha very often expresses itself in other areas of halacha. So if you could find that conceptual point elsewhere, so then you begin to see different, different angles that, from which Chazal and the poskim will look at a particular halacha. So the primary source for this halacha, as we said, is Yordea Semen Kof Zayin. But it's not limited to that. One of the other, another one of the primary sources for this discussion is, as you see in source number four, is in Hilchos Pesach. What exactly does it mean, Hilchos Pesach? So here also, we're going to help narrow our definition or fine tune is probably better. We're going to fine tune our definition of what Schorah is. So remember, when we're, de- we're, we're, we're dealing with Hilchos Pesach, we're dealing with Chometz, we're dealing with something which is an Isr Hana. So it's as Asr as it could possibly be. Not only is it prohibited for consumption, but you're not even allowed to benefit from it. So anything which would be Mutter in terms of Chometz on Pesach, certainly is going to be mutter in other areas as well. Okay, so with that preface, so Shulchan Aruch says this fascinating idea, Simen Tov Nun Sivav, says, mutter lomar le'ever bepesach. So you have a slave, or let's say an employee, for, uh, if we'll be politically correct. So you have an employee who's working for you on Pesach. You could say to that employee on Pesach, heilech dinner ze ukenei ve'achok. Listen, here's 10 bucks, go to the restaurant and go get yourself some food. Now, what is, what's going to happen when your employee takes $10, takes your credit card? Actually, you can't take your credit card. He goes out and takes your $10, the ten, not your $10. You give him $10 and you say, go buy yourself some lunch. That's motor. Even though you know perfectly well 
that this employee loves double bacon cheeseburgers, and he's going to take that money, he's going to buy chametz on Pesach, and he's going to eat chametz on Pesach with the money that you just gave him. So even though you know perfectly well that your money is going towards the purchase of, what was your money, is going towards the purchase of chametz, so that is something which is acceptable. That's going to be mutter. Because Lamaisa, once you give him the money, it's now his money, and he's spending what's now his money on his own chametz, and he's going to eat it. So that doesn't violate, that's, there's enough of a barrier or enough of a shield or enough of a buffer to protect you from violating an iser, give out. Now, aval, here's where things get interesting. Aval lo yomar lo, but the first opinion in Shulchan Aruch says, what you're not allowed to say to this employee is, save echol vani parea. Says, listen, go, go to the restaurant, get yourself some lunch and have them send me a bill. Because when, when they are going to send you a bill and you're ultimately going to pay for it, you're going to be the one paying for it. You're not giving the money to your employee and he pays for it with the money that you gifted him. But he buys lunch and tells the restaurant owner, uh, uh, Shaffle's going to be paying for this lunch, so just go ahead and send him the bill. That's going to be us, or according to this first opinion, because the restaurant owner essentially becomes my shliach, since I'm paying for it. So I'm buying it, and he's my shliach to go ahead and give it to him. And therefore, that does cross the line in terms of ownership and getting benefit from chametz, because I'm the one who's paying for it. So the first opinion says that's not allowed. So again, to give the non-Jew money and say, go buy yourself lunch, that's mutter. Nobody argues about that. To say to the non-Jew, get yourself lunch and have them bill me, they have the first opinion says, Asr. Then, However, some people say, even this is mutter. Even this is mutter, because ultimately, at the end of the day, it's an interesting lumbus in terms of Choshemishpat, in terms of how business works. But ultimately, what happens is, is the non-Jew goes, he eats lunch, there's now a bill which has to be paid. So the fact that I, the Jewish employer, am going to pay the bill at the end of the day, you can't say that I own that food, I own that chametz at any time, because the chametz went from the non-Jewish restaurant owner to my non-Jewish employee. By the time I get the bill, the food is already gone. So paying a bill does not acquire the chametz when it no longer exists. And since it, I never actually acquired the chametz, so therefore, it doesn't violate any yisurin, and that is going to be uh, that, that's going to be uh, that's going to be acceptable. And well, it's funny, yeah, Faith. So does so then in that case, is the credit card an okay form of like? I mean, we used to have this all the time. Like, like if the guys are working all day and they're on the truck, you know, they fill up the truck with gas and then they stop and get themselves snacks or lunch, whatever, but they, we didn't give them cash, we give them a credit card. Right, so a, a, cre- a credit card may be a, a different thing. At some point, maybe we'll do another share as we get closer to the holiday season, uh, uh, where that is, why a credit card may be different than having the bill afterwards. Because if you, if, if you give them your credit card, so the restaurant is paid as soon as the credit card is swiped. So, so isn't that like cash then? Um, but you never, they never, the, the employee never acquired any of that cash. It went straight from you to the, uh, to the restaurant. But he had permission to make a charge. Right. Like I gave him. Permission to spend your money. Right. But ultimately it would be your money that, w- not yours, but it would be the business's money, which is right. buying the food. 
Right. But what would be the difference if I gift him 20 bucks and say, go buy lunch? Because then he has a choice. He could either buy lunch. If, if he ends up not buying, he could buy potato chips, which may be Pesach. He could go ahead and buy himself a drink, which may, which may be Pesach. But either way, it's his money at that point. You're not, you're not giving him the money and saying, this is my money. But aren't we so, saying, like, we, we understand that lunch has a cost. You know, like, whatever lunch in my mind is. Right. 15, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, or what? It, or, or could I say to them, here's the credit card, only spend $15 on lunch. Yeah, you, for, for this again, we we will expand around this at, at another time. But for this, you it would it, it, there, there's going to be a difference between cash, which you're gifting to the employee, so they actually have the cash, versus the credit card, which is always yours. They never they they never own they never actually have anything which is their own until they receive the food which you gifted to them. You bought and you gifted to them. Rabbi Shaffel. Yes, Bob. Um, following up on Faith's question. Yeah. Um, but the credit card bill doesn't post until probably a day or so later. And so by the argument that was used before, the food no longer exists because it went from the restaurant to the non-Jew and there is no food anymore. You're just paying a bill at that point. So it seems to me that that argument would actually make the issue of a credit card, not an issue. Right, so you're, 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 you're the, both of you are being too much, uh, uh, too much lumbus for me. <laughs> you're, you're looking at it as a lumbus. <laughs> and uh, you're, you're correct that from the perspective of a pure shochanar type of thing, so you're absolutely correct that uh, no money changed hands, so how did you make a Kenyan? So Lamaisa, how did you make a Kenyan? So the answer is, is because there's such a thing in Choshemishma called Situmta. Situmta is a Kenyan which uh, uh, people recognize is a valid way of being able to uh, exchange merchandise or purchase merchandise or, or, yeah, purchase merchandise. So the use of a credit card falls into that category called Situmta. It's not actually the Kenyan Kesef. It's not a Kenyan which is done with cash. It's a, it's a different category of Kenyan. And as far as everybody is concerned, when you go ahead and you swipe a credit card, that is the completion of the transaction between you, the credit card holder, and in this instance, the restaurant. So nobody looks at it, except for Lamdanim, such as yourselves, but nobody looks at it as if the Kenyan didn't actually take place until two days later when the charge actually posts to your account. Uh, Lamaisa, when you go in there and they run the credit card, they look at it as if you bought the food already. So at that point, you can't, you can't retract and say, you know what, I changed my mind, I don't want it. They say, you, you already bought it, you already paid for it. That's what you would be told. So from the simplistic point of view, not a Lambdan point of view, so the Kenyan was already done. I'm sorry to undo your, <laughs> to take away your alumnus. I appreciate it, but <laughs> sometimes as Choshimishma people, we just have to be very simple-minded and just take it for what it is. A, strong, a stronger issue might be a per diem, where you're not actually giving them the they have to provide a receipt for something that you're going to reimburse them. That might be a stronger issue. Right. That's. <laughs> you guys I, are, I'm not getting into it. I'm just. just no, no, you, you guys are brutal. So the next line, which I, which I had in mind to skip, <laughs> says, Elim Kane, Hikdim Diner, The exception to this rule, even according to this lenient opinion, is if you were to say, to, and this is, it, it's, an inter, it's an interesting application of it. We may end up having to do this in two parts, but it's an interesting application of this because 
if you were to go ahead and you call, if you call up the restaurant owner in advance and you say, listen, I have employees who are going to be working on a job site across the street from your restaurant for the next two weeks. And here, I'm sending you, I'm wiring you $400. When they come in and they order lunch, just deduct it from my $400. And then if, you, if we run short, so then tell me and well, I'll, I'll replenish, but here's $400 and hold on to it and deduct the amount uh, each order, then you're going to deduct, deduct from the amount which I give you. So that's what the, it's in the highlighted section now. That, Shulchan Aruch says, is going to be awesome. Because if I tell the restaurant owner, hold on to the money until they actually order the food, so that means that it's my money which is buying the food. So once again, I own that food, and then I'm gifting it to my employees. I'm having the restaurant owner sell me the food and then do me the favor of handing it to the employees which I sent and I want to go ahead and eat it. That would be Aser. A variation of that, which is Mutter, and that's why this is where all the lumbus comes in. A variation of that, which is mutter, is if I go ahead and I call the restaurant owner and I say, do you sell gift cards to your restaurant? He says, sure. And I say, okay, I want a $400 gift card. So if he sells me a $400 gift card and then I give the gift card to my employees. I say, listen guys, when you go in there for lunch for the next two weeks, use this gift card and charge lunch on this gift card. That would be mutter. Why is that mutter? Because... In the first case, I gave them $400 to say, keep the money in a drawer. And as they order $20 of lunch a day, take $20 out of the drawer and put it into the cash register. If I buy a gift card and I give the restaurant owner $400, he's not holding on to those $400 until my employees go ahead and buy lunch in the store. As soon as those $400 reach his pocket, he can do whatever he wants with it. He's not holding on to it for my employees. So then really what happens is, is there's a debt which is owed to me, but it's not as if my money is buying the food day by day by day. So paying a debt is going to be a different way. It's going to be a different mechanics of how these kinyanim are taking place. And we actually recommend that that's probably the best way uh, for employers who want to be able to uh, give, uh, uh, send their, their employees to a restaurant or something, give them, uh, you know, give them a, a meal during holiday time. So the best way to do so is actually the gift card. That's a much better thing than going in there and just telling them, uh, you know, here's my credit card, go buy yourself some, uh, some dinner, get yourself a fancy dinner, and then uh, charge on my credit card. So each, you know, variation, cash versus credit card, cash versus credit card versus gift card, all of those could take on different sets of halachas within this lumbus getting into, now that it's your fault, Bob, but getting into, <laughs> once you go ahead and you, uh, you, uh, you start to getting into the lumbus of how exactly transa- transactions work, so that all of these things, all of these variations uh, are going to produce, uh, could potentially produce different outcomes. And sometimes what they're, and sometimes, sometimes not. Okay, give out. Now, so that also is, so we see that there's going to be, there's a machlokas. Now, we actually paskin, the Mishabura paskin is like the second opinion, which is lenient. There's actually a third place where this halacha is, is, is recorded. That's in Hilchaz Yayin Nesach. Hilchaz Yayin Nesach is a prohibition of, ben, of drinking or benefiting from wine, which was touched by a non-Jew. So within that halacha, so there's also a question, can you send your non-Jewish employees to the bar and have them buy wine on your on your account. So the same exact scenario where your money, either you're giving them money and you tell them to buy some wine, or you give them money and say drinks are on me, whatever you want, whatever the case is going to be. But in in, in a in a third area of halacha by Yahya 
the same principle is discussed in, in a, fascinatingly, if there's such a word, it's fascinating that over there, Shulchan Aruch only records a lenient opinion. On Pesach, he records a machlokas. By Yayin Nesach, he only records a lenient opinion. So there's a whole discussion amongst the Achronim what exactly happened, what exactly changed from Hilchos Pesach, where there seemed to be a machlokas about the matter, and then you continue your way through Shulchan Aruch and you get to Yeridea and the halachas of Yayin Nesach, and you find out that there's that he only records one opinion over there, the lenient opinion. Also, it's outside of the scope of our, our discussion, but that's another area where this conceptual con, uh, um, these principles arise and become relevant. Okay, but now here the Ramah tells us another thing. It's in the very same sif, and here the Ramah says, and this is going to get us closer to our Grubhub driver. He says, "Hagav asa liktos chametz pesach." It's a fascinating halacha. It is, it reads and translates, a Jew is not allowed to buy chametz for a non-Jew on Pesach. That's not such a chiddish yet. But then he says, even if the money being used is the non-Jew's money. So what does this mean exactly? This means that you're at the office on Chalmoy Pesach. Some people go to work on Chalmoy Pesach. I work on Chalmoy Pesach. So you're at the office on Chalmoy Pesach. And you say to the you say to uh, the person at the desk next to you, you know what? I'm uh, I'm I'm so thirsty. All that matzah is it's killing me. I need to have I need to get some water. I'm going down to the vending machine to get uh, to get a bottle of water. So the guy says, Oh, could you do me a favor? Here's two bucks. Could you buy me a bag of pretzels? So you're thinking, is sure. What's the problem? I'll buy him the bag of pretzels because it's his money. I'm buying it with I'm buying the pretzels with his money. I'm going to give it. I'm not going to eat them. I'm never going to own them. I'm just going to use his money to buy him pretzels. I'm going to do him this favor. Why should the, what, what should be the problem? So the Ramah says it's awesome. You're not allowed to go ahead and you buy a non-Jew chametz on Pesach, even when you're using the non-Jew's money. It's not like you're buying the pretzels for him. He's going to pay you back. But you're using his money to buy him pretzels, and it's still awesome for you to do. Why is it awesome? And here comes the key. Mishabura explains in source six over here, Mishabura in Sif Katan Chafalaf. He says, If you go to the store, let's not talk about a closed bag of pretzels, because he'd probably notice if, if you uh, open up his bag of pretzels and you started munching on them. But let's say he says, Oh, you're going, uh, you know, you're going out to Davin Mincha in the middle of the day. On your way back, will you stop off and get me, uh, you know, will you buy us, uh, you know, some, uh, some uh, um, donut holes? Buy us a bag of donut holes. So normally you would say, no problem. Every other day of the year, you go ahead and you'll stop off and you'll, you'll buy a, a Dunkin' Donuts and you'll get them some donut holes and what it's, it, you wouldn't even think twice about it. But here on Pesach, it's Aser. The concern is even though you're buying donut holes for him and you're using his money, our fear is that when you're by yourself in the elevator going back up to the office, you may decide, you know what, those smell so good, and you'll reach in and you'll pop. They won't even miss a donut hole. Who's going to know that that's ever going to be missing? Nobody counts up. If it says 30 donut, ho- donut holes, nobody's actually counting them up. Maybe the accountants here actually count them up. But most people are not going to go ahead and count them up. And you assume that there's probably 30 in there. And therefore, because of that fear that you may stick your hand in and you may eat it, so therefore it's usher to do. And now this brings us to our Shiloh. So here... If you say that I'm doing business, now here, let me, let me frame it in two ways. So to drive for Grubhub, so there's two issues which arise. Number one is ultimately I am making money off of this, uh, this non-kosher food. 
I'm not buying and selling it per se, but I earn my money from, I earn a charge by virtue of the fact that I went ahead and I delivered this, uh, this, uh, this non-kosher food to a non-kosher customer. So maybe the fact that I'm earning money off of the sale of non-kosher food, maybe that's already schorah. Maybe that already crosses the line in terms of doing business with non-kosher food. And then secondly, we have another uh, issue. And that is, if I'm alone in the car with this fellow who ordered a burger and fries and I'm driving it along, this is not even on Pesach now, but are driving along and say, you know, I've heard a lot of people talk about those McDonald's fries. And they say that they're absolutely best fries in the world. If I'm delivering and the bag isn't like a stapled shut, who's going to know if I reach in and I take a couple of fries? So maybe I'm going to run into a problem of being a deliver a Grubhub delivery guy because of what the Mishabura says over here, maybe we have to be afraid that I'm going to reach in there and grab a couple of those fries. And that would be another reason why it's going to be awesome. So now we've completed the Shiloh. <laughs> Now, after half an hour, we finally have the Shiloh clear. What exactly are the concerns which arise when somebody wants to go ahead and be a driver for Grubhub or not? For, for you Grubhub. You have the same question with kosher also, then also. And then you just stick your hand and steal someone's fries. Oh, so we're going to get we're going to get to stealing soon. Good. Very good. Excellent. Right. So Sachi is raising the point that uh, besides the ISR, the potential ISR of maybe doing business with non-kosher food, another issue which we now, in the Grubhub context, in that, in that specific context of the Shaila, we also have a Shaila of Gzela. Rav Moshe is going to talk about that shortly. And then he's going to say, since when are we suspicious that anybody's going to steal somebody else's food? We don't find in Halacha that there is such a suspicion out there. Eating somebody else's food Maybe the, the assumption is, is that when you're buying it in the office for a coworker, people are sharing all the time and they're not really mocked But over here, when you're a Grubhub driver to take his food, certainly if the customer knew that you were reaching into his bag and grabbing a couple of his McDonald's fries, he would be none too happy to find out that your grubby hands, your grubby Grubhub hands were in his fries. So maybe everybody would agree that uh, that, that should be mutter because there's no suspicion that you're going to go ahead and you're going to steal. Yeah, Faye? So this sounds like one of those Jewish things where we put up fences to like prevent ourselves from doing things. So couldn't, I mean, aren't there, like you could, as a Grubhub driver, I'm always going to put the food in my trunk so that it's uh, not accessible to me between the restaurant and when I get to the customer. So the, so I'm making this fence to, to help myself to look like it'll smell less and I'll be tempted less. Cause if I wanted to put my hand in it, I got to get out and go to the back. Like, Right, so so we're always building fences. So isn't the, isn't this a, a way for somebody in in this profession to then build a fence for themselves in order to not be in this position? Right. So it could be. So what 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 you're referring to is what we do on on the reverse of that, which is when you order food, as you would know, when you order food from a kosher caterer to be delivered, let's say, to a non-kosher restaurant because there's a holiday party or something. So it's always going to be double-wrapped. Right. It'll always be wrapped in a way where we know that nobody tampered. Every time you fly, anytime you fly and you get a meal, so Can't you always have it. to make sure that it's double-wrapped because if it's not double-wrapped, then there's the fear that somebody may have tampered with it. So Faith is suggesting we should be able to do that same thing in the reverse, go ahead and double-wrap the food which is being delivered so that 
tampering will be evident to anybody to the to the customer, and that will be a deterrent, and that will shield us from having to have this concern about delivering. And that way, you could go ahead and you could deliver. So we're, we're going to see in Rav Moshe that, that that idea. Excellent. Okay, so in source number seven over here, so Chassam Sofer was dealing with a Shaila, which certainly any of us would have thought that it's okay. And that is, is that somebody was, there was a non-Jew who was in the non-kosher fish business. Let's just say he sold lobster or something like that, or crab or something like that. And the non-Jew was looking for some investors and he approaches you and says, listen, do you want to partner with me in this business? And you say to him, I don't know the first thing about crabs. I can't even tell you the difference between a crab and a, and a lobster, what exactly they are. I'm not going to be very helpful in terms of running the business. And the non-Jew says, no reason for concern. I'm an expert in shellfish. All I need is your cash. But we'll partner. I'll be the brains. You'll be the money. And together, we're going to make a fortune selling, uh, selling uh, shellfish. So you say, okay, where's the business run out of? It tells you it runs out of Italy. I don't know wherever it is, it runs out of some place, which is nowhere near where the Jew lives. And he's not going to have any contact with the shellfish whatsoever. He's just an investor in the business. So is this allowed or not? So says, the Chassam Sov adopts a very stringent perspective on this. And he says, um, just for simplicity because of time, he says, he says, it's Aser, Mishum Dilma Aser Lamecham Minei. Out of concern that since you are a part owner of all of this shellfish, we're concerned that you may eat it. Ah, there's 500 miles between you and the shellfish. Says it doesn't make a difference. He says that this idea that maybe you'll eat it is a reason to be machmer, but you cannot use that as a reason to be makel. In other words, he seemingly, we're going to see in Revosh in a moment, Faith, but he seemingly is rejecting the idea that you said that, listen, if we create a circumstance where it's, it's not possible he's going to eat it, it should be mutter. So that's using the rationale of maybe he'll eat it to create a leniency. Hassam Sofer says, who says that we could use the rationale in order to create a leniency? I don't know. He says, I don't know that that's mutter. And therefore, he says, at the end, he says, how do we know that we can go ahead and we can be lenient just based on this alone. And the Chassam Sofer takes a very stringent perspective. Bidiyeve, bidiyeve, the person has no other means of support, and this is the only way he's going to make money for his family. So under certain conditions, the, reluctantly, the Chassam Sofer is a little bit lenient. But he's of the opinion that once there's an Isser to do Shara, that Isser ultimately is absolute, and it applies in almost every case whatsoever. So like the Chassam Sofer, seemingly, we're not going to be able to kvetch out any sort of head. But Rav Moshe addresses a similar type of idea. And he says, you see, he talks about over here in the opening line, he says, This is, we're going to call this a wagon driver. Rav Moshe wrote this while he was still in Russia, before he came to, to the United States. But well, we could update and say, you're going to be a truck driver. You're going to drive an 18-wheeler. And what are you going to be shipping? And Ramosha, the, the, the person who wrote to Ramosha gave a heter for a truck driver to transport a pig, to transport a whole, a whole uh, 18-wheeler filled with bacon. Why? Kavan, in the rationale of the other rabbi was, Kavan show, and his rationale was very simple. 
the driver doesn't own any of the merchandise. He doesn't own any of the pig, which is the back of the truck. He's simply a driver whose job it is to go from point A to point B. Since he doesn't own any of it, if you don't own it, you can't violate the Yisr Shorah. That was the rationale that this, this other rabbi had suggested and was checking with Rav Moshe to find out what it, uh, what, what, whether he agrees. And Rav Moshe's simple answer is, near is daiti shiyafahora. Seems to me that's a good psaq. He agrees that you could be a driver for such a thing. And then he says, um, okay, we can't go through all this because of time. Um, he says, putting aside what his sources are, um, okay, let's jump over to here. He says, he says, the, the, the rabbi who was uh, uh, writing to Rav Moshe, so he thought that maybe this is, should be Asr based on a shach. So Kavanaso, and he identifies the source for it. He says, Kavanaso, the intent is, that maybe we should Asr it for one of two reasons. Either because maybe as the truck driver or back then the wagon driver, so maybe you'll be tempted to go reaching back, you get to a rest stop and you'll reach back there and you'll grab some and maybe you'll eat something. Or if somebody sees that you're driving a bacon truck, they'll say, oh, I can't believe that this Jew is driving a bacon truck. I, uh, why, is he, why is he doing that? And there's some sort of Morris Ion to be involved in driving a bacon truck. Says Ramosha, Enoklum. He says, that's not a concern at all. He dismisses it just right away. Enoklum. Why? Chara says, first of all, they... He says that you can't make this gzeira, maybe he's going to eat it, by somebody who's transporting it as an employee. Because the stuff in the back of the truck, is what you mentioned, Taki, the stuff in the back of the truck, it's not yours. It belongs to the it belongs to the, uh, the, the shipper or the manufacturer, whoever it belongs to, it doesn't belong to you. The Eino Chashinal Isagneva. And as we said, since when do we suspect people of stealing somebody else's stuff in order to eat some bacon? There's never a concern that somebody's going to be a Ganov, Velo Yochal, and there's no concern the person's going to eat it. Af Imhaya Davar Mutter, even if it was permitted food, even if you were shipping uh, Romanian salami in your truck. We're not suspicious that you, the driver of the Romanian salami, are going to, uh, at a rest stop, you're going to go in the back of the truck and you're just going to grab yourself a salami and eat it. It's a very big temptation, I know. But we don't suspect that a person's actually going to go ahead and, and steal it. So only those of you who are in the East Coast have a hard time getting a Romanian. So there the temptation may be a little bit bigger to hijack the truck and go ahead and take all of the supplies. But for the most part, we're not afraid of Geneva in that way. Here's the important line, Ravosha says, that you, the driver, another reason why we're not afraid that you're going to steal something, even if you're not such an honest person and you may actually steal, over here where you're driving somebody else's merchandise, whoever the recipient is, he's going to weigh the merchandise to make sure that he got what he ordered. And if it turns out he ordered 20 salamis, and then when he goes to the back of the truck, there's only 19 salamis, he's going to call the shipper, he's going to call Romania and say, hey, 
I ordered 20 salamis. You charged me for 20 salamis. I only put, I only received 19 salamis. And he'll say, what do you mean? I have a record here. I have video that we put in 20 salamis into the box. And then the only person who would have taken it is you. So when the, when the merchandise will be missing, we're never afraid that you're going to go ahead and steal it and you'll end up taking it. And people aren't going to risk their job to steal the merchandise because it's just not worth it. As, as good as the Romanian salami is, the job is much more valuable than this one particular Romanian salami. And to, to go ahead and eat that, Ravosha says, we don't have such a concern. So Moshe says he's very comfortable with that. I, what about the Chesam Sofer? So you can't, it, 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 as a posik, as a rav, if the Chesam Sofer weighed in on a shayla, especially when the Chesam Sofer weighed in on a shayla and said that it's Aser, you can't just go ahead and say that it's mutter and ignore the chasam sofer. Chasam sofer is too big of a figure in halacha to ignore an explicit psak. So what are we going to do uh, uh, for uh, as far as that is concerned? So he says, um, Yeah, okay, so he says, the reason why the Chassam Sofer over there is going to be Machmer is because, as we said, to, to, to read it will take longer than we have in these uh, next couple of minutes. He says, the reason over there you run into a problem is because uh, the, uh, the Jewish investor was going to be the owner of the food. So the, when, once you become the owner of the food, that already crosses a line, which is going to generate much more Chumras, many more stringencies. But he says, the last line of Moshe says is, avamolich, but somebody who's just shipping, he's just a truck driver or, or a grubhub driver, let's say, upoel, and he's just an employee, mutter, then it's going to be mutter because we're not afraid, we're, 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 we're protected, we're, we're comfortable with the idea that the person is not going to go ahead and grab some and eat for himself because if he gets caught, he's going to lose his job. And as a result of that, so there is, as, as, as Faith said, so that already is enough of a protection, gives us enough confidence. Halachically, that it's not going to be a problem. So therefore, if Moshe doesn't have an issue with somebody who says that if you're just shipping, even though you're making money by virtue of the fact that non-kosher food is going from point A to point B, but since you don't own that food at any point along the way, and there's no fear that you're going to go ahead and reach into the back of the truck and grab any of that food to eat it. So therefore, Moshe says none of the concerns are relevant if you are the wagon driver or you are the truck driver who's shipping that merchandise from the shlachtois to the uh, to the grocery store. And therefore, Moshe says that that's going to be mutter. And now the question is, what exactly, whether or not the stores, the restaurants, do they use Faith's uh, approach of saying, we're going to double wrap the food to make sure that our Grubhub drivers don't touch the food along the way, don't put their, uh, their, their grubby hands in there, or Lemaisa, they just go ahead and they put it into a regular bag, and it's not a difficult thing to go ahead and open up the bag, reach in, grab something, and then just fold the bag up when you're, uh, w- w- when you're done. So I, I can't tell you I know for sure, never drove for Grubhub or Uber Eats, do a lot of carpool driving, but not the uh, Grubhub. Or, uh, or Uber Eats, but I, I do remember hearing stories about some very high percentage of drivers 
admitting that when they get hungry along the way, that they do reach into bags and they do go ahead and, uh, and uh, take a little nibble of food from this one and from that one. I assume nobody here is ordering from them, so you don't have to get grossed out by that next time that, that this happens to you. But I do remember he uh, hearing uh, headlines or seeing stories that were uh, about that, where, uh, uh, as I said, a large percentage of drivers are actually doing so. So if, if when you, the driver, pick up the food and it's not tamper-proof, then it would seem to be that it's going to be problematic. Because then you have this concern, which is a genuine concern that you're alone, you're in Yichud, together with this non-kosher food. And this, the, the concern is, is that maybe you'll go ahead and you'll reach inside and you'll grab a couple of fries, you'll grab a shrimp, you'll grab a, whatever it happens to be that you hope the person is not going to, uh, to miss. In the event that the stuff is double sealed, it's stapled, it's prepared in a way where if you were to tamper with it, you would be discovered, then seemingly it would fit into our Moshe rights over here with regards to shipping the, uh, the meat, where as long as we are confident that you're not going to take it because you're not going to risk your job to steal somebody else's food, so then there's probably room for, uh, to be, uh, be makele as far as this is concerned. Good? Okay, Thank so you, I will tell you. Yeah. I, I don't quite I don't quite understand why why um if 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 people are not suspected of stealing, why why is it why are they gonna be more likely to steal it if even if it's not double wrapped? I mean, if they're not suspected of stealing, they're not suspected of stealing. Right. That's uh the the I, I think the 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 concern is is that people have a tendency to uh rationalize minor theft like stealing a fry, they'll never miss it. If the, if the guy behind the counter didn't put in this fry, the customer would never, would never have expected it to be there. So that type of thing where you're, it's, it's sort of like Sodom, uh, a Sodom stealing, Sodom theft. That's always less than a Shavaputa. And if you figure it's less than a Shavaputa, nobody's going to miss it, nobody's going to care. They're mochel, it's, uh, you know, they, they don't mind, it's in place of a tip. They, I deserve a better tip anyways, and therefore a couple of fries for the fact that they give me two bucks rather than four bucks. So there's uh, two bucks, which they're not paying me, uh, so I or didn't even tip me altogether. So I should be able to get a couple of fries for that. That's grab hub. <laughs> grab hub. <laughs> Stu, I'm sorry that Bob beat you, <laughs> beat you to that, or at least uh, said it first. Maybe you would think about it all along. <laughs> but as on a related matter, so I'm sure everybody here has, has heard about the Shiloh, considered the Shiloh, discussed the Shiloh. Um, but this, this, this same issue uh, comes up when they used, to, I don't know if they still do it, but when the boys used to vend at the ball games. So there's always a yeah. question, can you go ahead and sell the hot dogs? So you one buy of the, things, the hot dogs before you sell them. Right. So one of the things which which the Rabbanim had to clarify was for for a while it was thought that what happens is is that because they, they, the the Rabbanim did the, did their research, but they thought that the vendors were just shluchim. They're just messengers, and they are they take the the hot dogs from the owner. They walk around the stadium and they sell it to uh, to to hungry customers, and then they go back and they get more and they make money off of what they sell, but they never actually own the stuff themselves. So they're just they're just middlemen in a sense, and they're not actually earning any money off of it. So that would be one set of shilas. But then we uh, we discovered we 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 found out that really what happens is is that the uh, the companies that the concession 
concession people, they make the uh, vendors buy the stuff ahead of time. So it's actually the, the vendor's hot dogs, which he has bought, and now he's selling to the customers, and that would be a clear violation. There's no way to go ahead and rationalize that, because once you go ahead and you own the stuff in the middle over there, everybody says that that's going to be us, so that would be a clear violation of Kofi Zion. Unless you try and argue that somehow these are kosher hot dogs because they say kosher style. But short of that, if they're actually not kosher, so that's going to be usher. But that also is another variation of the Shiloh of Kuf Yud Zion, where you're doing business with non-kosher food, which is essentially usher. And how do you, uh, how do you, get, around, how do you get around that? So I will leave you with, because it's, it's already going late. One, yeah, one second, Faith. But uh, the last thing is, is this is one of the reason why this is such a prominent issue is because this is another one of the shilas that people who own nursing homes have to address. Because even if you own a nursing home in the middle of Nowheresville, North Dakota, but if you, the nursing home owner, are buying non-kosher food to feed to all of your non-kosher residents, so that's doing business with non-kosher food. So all this is another one of the things that, that, that the nursing home owners have to address somehow in their start, besides being open on Shabbos, all of that, but they have a very serious issue in, for, in putting aside also chametz on Pesach. They, get, they, they remember that they're not allowed to own chametz on Pesach, even in a, in a home which serves on kosher, but Pesach is one week out of the year. Every day out of the year, they have a problem if they're serving non-kosher food of something which is asamidaraisa, this iser of doing schara with, with nevelas and trefus. So that's another area where the Shiloh comes up. So yeah. and I, I'm curious if, if the guy selling hot dogs at the ballpark doesn't sell their whole load, are they stuck eating the cost of the ones they didn't sell? Yes. Yes, Safi, they do? Yes. Really? The, the, the only question is um, when it comes to drinks, because sometimes they'll buy back the drinks. That was a, that was a question of selling beer. In a can. Uh, you, can you can bring back a can. Right. There's not much that they're going to be able to do with the leftover right, hot dogs. Right, they'll buy back the cans, but the hot dogs, you have to sell them out. But even if it's still a transaction, so you're, if, you're, if you're not selling something back, it's still a transaction. Yeah. Somebody's okay. buying. Yeah, Faith, what do you got? It, so, the, I, um, I have the only other issue that we didn't necessarily me. address, and I'm not sure if it's even worth addressing, is that someone purchasing food from a restaurant and the restaurant uses Grubhub to then deliver it. And what if that person is a Jew who ordered non-kosher food? Like that's right. Right. That 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 would be that would be a complete another issue. Since the beginning of COVID, our neighbor across the street they made it their business to go ahead and they wanted to make sure that that restaurants and businesses didn't go out, didn't go out of business uh, when nobody was going out. So. For, for the year and a half, you, you could sit, you could sit by, you know, on the front lawn and watch every day. I'm pretty sure it's for lunch and dinner, but certainly for dinner, every it always gets delivered. Every night, dinner dinner is delivered. It happens to be that he is not Jewish and she is Jewish. So, in, in the event that you know that that's going to be true, right? That would be an interesting Shiloh where uh, it's another Shiloh. It's not this Shiloh, but it's another Shiloh. Whether or not uh, it would be permitted for a Jewish Grubhub driver to drop off non-kosher by Kim and Jim's house, knowing that she's going to be eating some of that food and that's, uh, and that's non-kosher food. I mean, the, so, yes, there's it's, probably it's, it's ways around it in the sense that the driver doesn't necessarily know who the, they have an address and whatever, and you don't necessarily know beforehand or you don't know for sure if that's like, I, I don't know that there's a really way that the driver can confirm or 
deny who who he's delivering food to per se. But right. Well, I mean, it could come up when you uh, when you ring the bell and you're just looking around and then you see this nice beautiful mezuzah. <laughs> right. <laughs> So then, then you panic and you say trick or treats or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Drop it and run. <laughs> Drop it and run. Yeah, some something like that. So yeah, but yeah, th that that would be another thing for them to consider whether or not they have to be uh, suspicious of that that they may be dropping off by a non-Jew or they could assume that uh, you know unless they they know otherwise they could assume that the uh, the customer is probably not Jewish. But yes, that's a, that's a whole that's a whole different section of halacha, you know, to uh, to consider. But yeah. Thank okay. You Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you all for coming. Thanks a lot. Shabbos, everybody.